Hey, my name is Dustin and this is my wife, Mandy, and we wanna say thank you for checking out today's message at Citizen Church. Yeah, so whether you're in your car or at work, wherever you might be today, it is our hope and prayer that you leave encouraged and equipped in your daily life. So here's the message. Well, we're doing something a little different if you haven't heard. Uh, with Flourish Conference, um, a lot of pastors' wives came from around the country, but also some of my best friends in ministry, the husbands came with the wives and we were hanging out. So about a month ago, I, I called three of, three of my closest ministry friends. And I said, if you guys are gonna be in town, we're in the middle of this series called Seven. Um, the, the subject will be prayer that day. But what if we do something different and interesting? What if each of you preach in a different service over the course of the day and we're all going to preach the same topic we're continuing the series and they all said yes and so we had a zoom call we all got together talked about the subject matter and we brainstormed and so i'm super excited about today it's rare that i get to attend the church i preach at so that's one thing i'm excited about i can sit back and take in the word of god but we also have three amazing pastors that are going to be preaching over the course of the day in our 8 30 service um, today, right now, uh, two of our very closest ministry friends, Rudy and Judith Weber from El Paso. Um, Rudy, Rudy is going to be preaching today. They pastor Roca Church. Yeah, give him a big hand. But he is, I, I just want to say this about you guys before you come up. Um, there are people that, that God places in your life and you just know it is for a reason and it's not just for a season. It's for life. And when Rudy and Judith came into our lives, we met them about six or seven years ago at a conference. We knew instantly that you guys would be some of our closest friends, some of our, our closest confidants. There's things that I can share with you guys that, that I can't share with other people. And I just thank you because pastors need pastor friends like you. You guys have elevated our lives. You've blessed our family. Your church is amazing. And I am honored. Would you guys stand to your feet and welcome Rudy Weber as he comes to the stage today to preach the word of God. So good. Thank you. Come on, how many of you are happy to be here this morning? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in, in it. Amen. No matter how the day looks like, it is the day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice because we know He is in control at all times. Amen. So can we give the Lord another hand? Praise, pray. Come on. We love you, God. It is such an honor to be here this morning. Uh, I remember visiting for the first time ever, and it felt like home. That first time my wife and I visit Citizen Church, we really truly felt like home. And I also want to say thank you to Pastor Mandy and Dustin. We love you guys. Uh, you said all the right things. That's exactly how we feel too. Uh, we love the way you all lead your church. But most importantly, what we respect most about you all is how you lead your family, how you love God. And to me, that's the most important part. If you have leaders that love each other, that love their family and that love God, that's what it's all about. And Pastor Galen, Pastor Kay, we love you guys. You always make us feel at home. Since the first time we got here, uh, you make you made us feel important. And I just want to tell you, we love you. And we thank, we're so thankful for you. My dad wants to say thank you to you all for bringing us in. Because we, we went through some tough times. And it was in this place where God confirmed calling in our lives. It is one of the reasons that we're leading right now the church uh, in El Paso. It is because God used Pastor Dustin and Mandy to confirm the calling, to encourage us. And it was just... We thank you guys. 
And because of that, I really believe that what's happening here in Citizen is extending all the way to El Paso. You guys are making such an impact, not only in El Paso, but we know Hawaii and in so many other places. And I want to say to all, all our church family in Maui, we love you guys. Uh, I had the opportunity to be able to share uh, through live stream also to our Spanish ministry. So I just want to say, hola, como están? Dios les bendiga. Uh, so happy to be here. También, hola, Dios les bendiga aquí a mi familia de Maui. I'm so glad to be here, um, and I hope you're glad to be here too. Um, so we get the opportunity this morning, or I get the opportunity, and the Holy Spirit, I guess, right, um, to share on prayer. Uh, continue this series on seven dimensions of discipleship. We love this series. We're talking about it, how great of a series this is. And we want to we wanna copycat this and start doing this series at our church maybe next year. But um, prayer is such, such an important topic and such um, an expansive topic. And it's hard to just point one thing out of prayer, but I'm going to try my best to do that this morning. But before that, I want to start with the scripture that you all have been starting with, and that is in Matthew 28, 19. And it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right. Therefore, go and make disciples. This word go actually means in the Greek as you're living, as you're going through life, make disciples wherever you're at. If you're at work, if you're at home, you're making disciples of your children. If you're at work, you're making disciples of the people you work with. You are constantly making disciples. We don't need to be in church to make disciples. Actually, we need to go out there in the world and make disciples. But it's good to be equipped here in church so that we can take what we've learned here and take it out to wherever we are going. And I love the definition you've all used for disciple. And it is this, someone who is following Jesus being changed by Jesus and committed to the mission of Jesus. I love the part of being changed by Jesus because I know God is still doing a lot of work in me. I don't know about you. He has a lot of work still still to do in me. And I know what God started in us, in me and in you, he will bring to completion. But I love that, that God is not like, all right, it's just a one-time thing, but he is constantly taking us from victory to victory to glory, to glory. We might fall down seven times. The righteous might fall down seven times, but he will get picked up every time by the Lord. Amen. So I love that. Um, And then we go to Acts 2.42, and it says this about the disciples, about the early church. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is what we're doing right now. How many of us are disciples of Christ? Can we all raise your hand this morning? Yes, all of us here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and to prayer. Can we just pray this morning? Father God, we just thank you this morning. Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are in this place. We thank you, Lord, that as we've been learning, as we've been singing, Lord, that where your presence is, Lord, there is freedom, Lord. And I just pray, God, that today we'll just take another step closer to who you want us to be. Lord, help us, Lord, to lean on you. And today, Lord, open up our hearts to receive your word. Lord, use my lips, anoint my lips, Lord, so the word of God can get to the deepest parts of our heart. And we will leave this place different how we came in, a little better, with a clear revelation of who you are and what you want in our lives. In Jesus' name, and this church says, amen, amen. So 
disciples devoted themselves to prayer. So if the disciples did this and the early church understood that they needed to pray. I want to tell you, it's what we need. We need to be people of prayer. So what is prayer? And I tried to choose the best definition. And I love this definition. And it is this. Prayer is intimate communication between God and man. I'm going to repeat that. Prayer is intimate communication between God and man. It isn't just throwing prayers out there. There is a goal when we pray. And the goal is to have intimate communication between God and man. Have intimate communication with God. Praying is how Christians or disciples grow deeper in their relationship with Christ and how they know the direction God wants their life to go in. If you are not praying, I am worried that you are hearing from God and know what direction you need to go. So prayer is so important. It is the secret weapon. It is the best tool in the toolbox that we need to grow deeper in our relationship with God and to advance to what he wants us to do. You know, since creation, man was created for fellowship with God, for intimacy. God first created the garden and then he created man and he put him in the garden. He put him in the garden and the garden represents where God wanted to have intimate relationship with man. He created us for relationship. Isn't that amazing that the Lord of the universe, the God creator created you because he wants to have intimate relationship with you. But we know what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve end up falling. They end up taking the fruit from the tree they shouldn't have taken from. And in that moment, intimate relationship was broken. They were expelled from the garden. They were expelled from that presence of God where they could be in deep relationship with them. And for thousands of years, man was desiring this intimate relationship. And we know in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle and there was the temple. And the only, the only way people could have and not really have, but that intimate presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And it was only one priest a year that can go into the Holy of Holies and experience the presence of God. But we fast forward to the New Testament, fast forward to the New Testament, and we're able to enter God's presence because of what Jesus has done, because he paid for our sins. What was separating us from that presence because of Adam and Eve, what was separating us from the presence of God, from that intimacy with God, Jesus paid it on the cross. Think about that. Jesus, God gave his only son to die for our sins, though we were still sinners. He died for us. He desired so much intimacy with every single one of us that he was willing to give his son. He was willing to give his son so that he can have intimacy with you and with me. And through the cross, that is what he accomplished. And now us, through our faith in Jesus, we can have that intimacy and that relationship with God. Jesus made it possible. How many of you are thankful for that? Jesus made it possible that we can call out to God at any moment. That we can have intimate relationship with God in our car. We can have intimate relationship with God wherever we're at. We don't have to wait for this whole sacrificial, sacrificial system going to the temple. We can have intimate relationship with God thanks to what Jesus has done. So, why pray? Why pray? Well, I want to share a couple of points of why we should pray. And the first one is this, because God is near. Because God 
is near. Throughout scripture, we know that God was always close to his people. Prayer was not unique to the Israelites of the early biblical period. Many cultures in the ancient um, Near East offered liturgical and ceremonial prayers and petitions to their deities. However, the prayers of the Old Testament differ for in many respects from those surrounding the ancient Near, Near Eastern cultures. And the biblical examples of prayer portray a, portray Yahweh, God, as a God who listens, not a deity who is distant, far away, who forgot about his creation. It's not somebody we have to beg for attention. He is near. Psalms 145.18 says this. The Lord is near to all. Can we say that? To all. To all who call on him. Not the ones that are perfect. Not the ones that are walking and floating around in their holiness. It is to all, wherever you might find yourself. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And we're going to go back to that towards the end. But God is near. And that is the good news that we can call out to him. We can call out to him because he is near. He's waiting for us to call out to him. He's waiting for us. You know, if God is near, are we drawing near? If God is near, the God of the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega is near. Are you drawing near to him? Don't wait for Sunday morning. Don't wait for a worship night. You can draw near to God no matter where you're at or where you find yourself. Point number two is this. God also, we pray because God listens God listens and answers. God listens and answers. Again, there's a lot of religions and philosophies out there where we could, we could burn candles and we could cry out to some type of God hoping that somehow our prayer gets to, to a certain deity. But we have the confidence that if we call out to our God, he will listen. And not only will he listen, he will answer. Our prayers to God are directional. We know who we're praying to, and they're dialogical. We know we can have conversation with God. First John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. I love that. We can approach God with this confidence. Not, is he going to hear me? Not, is he really near? No, we can approach him with confidence. It says that if we ask anything anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that have we have what we've asked of him if we know we can have what we've asked of him we should be asking more we should be approaching with confidence not thinking is he gonna do it it, it could be when he's gonna do it but he's gonna do it because it says in his word because his promises are true and yes and amen. Amen. Number three is this. We pray because God desires intimacy. And I kind of want to focus on this one for a while. We pray because God desires intimacy. Again, that's such good news. That God desires intimacy with a bunch of imperfect, unfaithful sometimes people. But God is faithful all the time. And he desires intimacy with us. 
If I asked you all today and asked anybody, most people today, if I asked them, do you pray? Most people would say yes. Even non-believers would say yes. Oh yes, I pray for protection right before I leave the house. Oh yes, I pray right, I do a quick prayer right before dinner or lunch or whatever it is. You know, I pray to God, you guys that are students, I pray that God will help me with my test, right? Especially when we didn't study, like somehow he's supposed to honor that, right? But God does miracles, you never know, right? We pray when a problem comes up, when things don't go our way, we end up praying. But that's not really intimacy. And it's dangerous that we can think we have a prayer life when we lean on these types of prayers. It can become dangerous because we can lie to ourselves thinking that we're actually having intimacy with God. But the truth is that we're not because prayer should lead us to intimacy with God. That's the, to me, that's the number one goal. The number one goal is that prayer will draw me closer to him. As long as I'm close to God, I know everything's going to work out because we know that God works for good to those that love him and lean on him and trust him. So your prayer might not be answered, but if you're close to him, there's a confidence. There's no matter how things look, God, you're going to work all things, all things for good. So prayer draws us to God. Prayer is intimate. Again, communication with God between God and man. So, you know, uh, Jesus was the greatest example for us of intimacy with the Father. If Jesus had intimacy with the Father, I want to read a couple of scriptures real quick. Hebrews 5, 7, just to give you an example of how Jesus' life, um, how it was a great example of this intimacy that he had here on earth with God the Father. Hebrews 5, 7 says this. During the days of Jesus... Um, Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. My reverent submission, Jesus being God, submitting to the Father. That's, that could preach, but I'm not going to stay there, right? Matthew 14, 23 says this, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark 135, very early in the morning, which I struggle with that. How many of you struggle with very early in the morning? Well, it was still dark. <laughs> That's early. All right. Well, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 516. But Jesus often, often withdrew to a lonely places and prayed. So throughout the New Testament, we could see that prayer and intimacy with the Father was essential for Jesus, for him to accomplish his purpose and mission. And I want to tell you, it's essential for you and I to accomplish the mission and purpose that God has for our lives. I'll tell you what intimacy is not. Intimacy is not a three-minute devotional right before I go to school, right before I go to work. Intimacy is not posting the verse of the day on social media right? Putting a cool backdrop, maybe a selfie, right? <laughs> Whatever it is. Intimacy is not listening to a Christian podcast. Those are all great things. Intimacy is not a quick prayer before you go to bed because you forgot to pray all day, right? That's not intimacy. I remember uh, hearing that 75% um, 
of marriages that end up in divorce is because they stop having relationships in the bedroom. I saw, I saw some young people here, so I'm trying to keep it PG. Right? 75%. What does this mean? It means that they stopped having intimacy. They stopped having intimacy. And there is power in intimacy. Think about this. It's it, intimacy between a man and a woman is where life is birthed. It is an intimacy that life is birthed. You know, uh, my wife and I can have a great conversation at a great coffee shop. We can have a great dinner. And that is some form of intimacy. But it is in our private moments where we are most intimate, where we become one. Man and woman, husband and wife, we become one. And that is why it's so important that we be careful and we protect our sexual life. Because it is the sin against our own body. Because you were meant to have intimacy only with one person. With one person. So I say all this because intimacy has power. And it is where life is birth. So think about it. If you have that level of intimacy with God, think about what can come out of that. Think about the light and the life and, 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 and the visions and the dreams and the purposes that can be birthed through intimacy with God. But we can fool ourselves by posting a daily verse or, or reading a daily verse. But what I see is that more and more believers, disciples are struggling with fear, are struggling with anxiety, are struggling with depression, are struggling with sadness. I see a lot of believers that are struggling in finding their way, their place. They're lost. And if there's a place we shouldn't be lost in, is in church. This is a place where the truth is being spoken. And it is an intimacy with God. It is an intimacy with Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life where we find direction. But why? Why are there so many people lost in the church? Sad, depressed. And we've been hearing about this past couple of days. And it is because a lot of us are having surface level relationships with God. God doesn't want surface level. God doesn't want superficial. He wants you to go all in. He wants you to go all in. He has so much for you. And that so much for you is gonna, it's what's going to help you with sadness. It's what's going to help you with anxiety. It's what's going to help you when things get hard. It's being in deep relationship with God. What are you rooted in? God wants you to be rooted in relationship with him. So intimacy with God is where your spiritual compass shows your true north. I want to repeat that. Intimacy with God is where your spiritual compass shows your true north. I don't know about you. I love Maui. And I was hoping to be there. But we know what happened. And, and we're praying for you all. And believing that God's going to move in a mighty way. But... um I would love to be in the middle of the Pacific in the ocean, but I would not love it if I didn't have somebody to guide me. If I didn't have a compass or somebody that had a compass to take us to where we need to go, it would be so scary. I remember uh, one, one day in Mexico at a vacation spot in Cozumel, uh, we were in a boat and it was the middle of the night and the waves were so strong, but you couldn't see absolutely anything. And I was thinking, how 
does the guy lead, driving this boat know where we're going? It's because of a compass. He couldn't see anything. He was trusting his compass to get him to where he needs to go. I couldn't imagine being lost in the middle of the forest without a compass, without knowing where I am supposed to go. But many believers live their life, their spiritual life this way. They're lost. They don't know what true north is. And it is because of intimacy. They have less intimacy with God. And less intimacy with God equals more confusion. It equals more confusion. And it is the best tool of the enemy. Confusion is the best tool or one of the best tools of the enemy. Think about it this way. Eve in the garden, she first was confused. The enemy did a good job of confusing her and then lying to her. And that's what the enemy still does today. He confuses us. Did God really say? And we doubt. Why? Because we don't have intimacy. Because if we had that intimacy, we would not listen to that. But when we don't, we get confused. And because we're confused, we end up believing, we end up believing the lie. We need to be careful. When you're confused, reality is distorted. And you end up believing something that is not really true. And that's the problem, if I'm honest, with this generation today. And with culture today, we don't know what is true anymore. And there's people in church desiring truth. And I love this church because this church preaches truth. It preaches the truth of God and it signals people to the way, the truth, and the life. That's what we're called to do. But there's people running around, coming into church, leaving church, with their compass doing this. Just going crazy. Where we want, we want the pastor to show us true north. We want our leaders to show us true north. But it is your intimacy with God. Because your pastor is not always going to be there. Your leader is not always going to be there. There's not always going to be a conference. But God is always near. God is always near. You know, prayer and intimacy is also the source of our power to do great things for God. And I don't know about you. I want to do great things for God. But I need God to do them. <laughs> That's simple, right? <laughs> we need God to do them. John 15 verse 7 says this. If you remain in me, and we, we all know this part of scripture. If, you're, if you've been in church for a while, you know, the, the vine and the branches. And Jesus is the vine. But then we go to verse 7. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I love the order. Because it's first remaining in him, in relationship with him. And when you are in intimacy with God in a relationship with him, his words mean something. It's like when you have a friend. It's one thing for somebody to tell you, hey, you're awesome, you did this. But when your friend says it, when your wife says it, you know, because they're the most honest. Right? Her words mean something. But when you remain and you have that intimate, intimate relationship with God, his words mean something. When you open the word, it means something to you. And it says this, it continues to say this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why is this? Because when you remain in God and his words remain in you, your desires 
are aligned to his desires. So then what you're asking, God is saying, yes, yes, of course. Why? Because his words are in you. And it continues saying in verse 8, this is to my father's glory, <clears throat> glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be what? My disciples. My disciples. God wants you to bear much fruit, but you cannot bear much fruit without intimacy. You cannot bear much fruit if you're not connected and communicating with him. It is noticeable when you're having intimacy with God. How? By the fruit you're bearing. By the fruit you are showing. The fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you're in intimacy with God, these fruits will be evident. These fruits will be evident no matter what you're going through. Not just in the good times, even in the bad times. You know, that's an amazing testimony as believers that when going through a tough time, we handle it different than people who don't have a God who is near, who don't have intimacy with God. And then when they see how we handle things, they're like, I want that. How do I do that? And we can point them to it. To who? To the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Also, I remember reading this part of scripture in Acts 4.13, where we know that, that Paul, I mean, sorry, Peter and John, uh, out of everything, they were known as men who had been with Jesus. And when I read that for the first time, I was like, I want to be known as somebody that has been with Jesus, as somebody that walks with Jesus, somebody that has intimacy with, with Jesus. And this is a time... When people are accepting their own truth, where truth is subjective. And the truth is that our generation is growing up more and more confused. They're growing up more confused about their sexuality. They're going more confused about what they're supposed to do. Everybody wants to be an influencer now, right? They're growing more confused of why they're in church. They're, going, they're growing, growing more confused about their theology and so much more. And this is a time where we need to bring a generation back to intimacy with God. We need to set a, a, an environment. Yes, amen. We need to set an environment where God's presence is evident. And when they taste God's presence, they say, I don't want anything else. I want this every day. I want this intimate relationship with God. John 17, 3 says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This word know in the Greek is the word gnosko, which means to know experientially. It's not enough just to hear a scripture, just to read the verse of the day. It's to experience God in relationship. This is Jesus' prayer for his disciples that they may know you, the only true God. God wants you to experience him every day. And as you experience him every day, you go closer in intimate relationship with him. Next thing is this, that intimacy with God is not transferable. I want to share this for a little bit. Intimacy with God is not transferable. As pastors, we can pray for people for healing. We can pray with you for certain situations that you're going through. But I cannot pray intimacy with God. That is up to you. That is up to every single one of us. I cannot transfer intimacy 
with God. I want to read really quick Matthew 25. And this is the parable of the 10 virgins really quick. And I'm going to read it fast if that's good. And it says this, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So this is Jesus sharing a parable about the coming of the Lord, right? Of of his second coming. And he's saying there was some five five, uh, virgins that were with oil in their lamps and five that weren't with oil. And it says this, verse 16 says, At midnight, the, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out and look what look what they respond no they replied there may not be enough for both of us and you instead go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves but while they were on their way to buy the oil the bridegroom arrived the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet at the as the door was shut later the others also came lord lord they said open the door for us but he replied truly i tell you I don't know you. You don't have intimacy with me. You don't have oil. The oil represents our relationship with God. The oil represents our prayer life. The oil represents our worship. The oil represents our drawing near to him, our dependence on him. Let me tell you something. We know that the times are looking closer and closer. I'm not a prophet. and I'm about to say it's going to happen tomorrow, right? But the times look close. How's your oil? How's your oil? Is it just a verse of the day? Is it just a quick devotional? Or are you in deep intimacy with God? Intimacy is not a calm my conscience prayer. It's not I'm going to check the box and, 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 and make sure that I prayed. That's not intimacy. I remember being in Bible school and we, we used to have this uh, homework where we had to, pre- we had to read, uh, I believe it was like three chapters of Old Testament and like five, no, five chapters of Old Testament, three of the New. And there was times where I needed to catch up on my reading. And I remember just, uh, it was an honor code thing, right? And you had to like uh, make sure you said yes and you signed I read. And I remember just being in my bunk bed and I'm like reading through it the night before so that I could check the box. So that I could check the box. There was absolutely no intimacy, no honor, no respect. It was me just trying to check a box. But when you experience God, you don't do it out of obligation. You do it out of need. It's like, I need it. Psalm 34, 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Once you have tasted and had intimacy with God, you want more of it. I want to finish with this because I know that um, there are some steps you all um, are learning that we should take to, uh, it's very intimidating to get to the very top, but we could start one step at a time. And you say, well, how can I start being more intimate with God? Can I just say, number one, be intentional. Decide. Today, I'm going to start. It's going to be more than just verse of the day. I'm going to be intentional about it. Intimacy does not happen by accident. You have to be intentional. I like uh, what Jesus says here in Matthew 6, 6. He says, but when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray 
to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you have a room? Do you have a space where you can meet with God? Where you can have intimate relationship with God? My wife will tell you right away, it's not enough to just have a talk in the car, right? We need to dress up. We need to find a good spot, all that, right? In the same way, we need to find a spot. I have a chair in my living room. That's my spot. And not only in my living room, uh, just recently, uh, the sprinklers in my backyard gave out. And so I've been having to water my backyard. But it has been such a blessing in disguise. Because I do that at night, and now it's my time with God. And Judith will come out after like 30 minutes. She'll be like, I think it's watered enough. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'll be in in a bit. It's been my moment. But we need to be intentional. I love where it says not only to go into the room, but shut the door. And I believe he's talking about eliminate distractions. Shut the door. Don't allow that, that time to anybody to come in and distract you from you and God. Protect that time. Protect that time. Um, I'm going to go fast. I'm running out of time. Jeremiah 33 3 says this, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I believe it is an intimacy with God where God wants to tell us and show us great and unsearchable things you may not know. There are moments where I might not know what to do with my kids. I might not know what to do with my family. I might not know what, how to deal with a certain situation at church. You might not know what to do in your business. What's the next step you need to make? And it is an intimacy with God where God can show you, where God can reveal strategies, where God can reveal plans in your life that you need to take in order to live out what God has called you to live out. So make time. Make time of prayer and intimacy with God. It is non-negotiable. Turn off your phone. Do what is necessary. Do what is necessary. Number two, I would say not only make time and make sure it's non-negotiable, but make it the first thing in your priority list. It's not third, it's not fourth, it is first. And when that is the first thing in your priority list, guess what? It's going to happen, right? You usually do what's first in your priority list. If this is first, it will happen. When you put intimacy and level of priority with God, it will happen. You might think, I'm not sure where to start. There's so many Psalms out there. You know, every step, Psalm 91, Psalm 23, read it out. Those some intimate letters that David had with God. And you can use that those same Psalms to find intimacy with God. And I would say, lastly, attend corporate prayer meetings. Attend. It is good. I had a, one of my young adults said, I learned how to pray just by being around you. Be around somebody that knows how to pray. Be around people that know how to pray. And I'll finish with this. And James 5, 16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. To one another, which means you have to be around people when you pray. And pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. In corporate prayer, there is healing. There is restoration. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic. It can have tremendous power. Run out of time. But I don't know where you're at this morning. But I'd like us all to stand up this morning. As a sign of saying, God, I want a deeper level with you. I know I need more of you. I, need, I know that a lot of the things that I've been going through, it's because of not enough intimacy with you. Not enough prayer. 
wherever you find yourself today, I just want to encourage you to make a decision today. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go deeper. My prayer life is not going to be surface level. It's not going to be superficial. My goal is to have intimacy with God. Amen. I want to end with Psalms 145, 18, which I started. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. This word truth is the word in Hebrew, emet. And this word emet, it's, it's not on the screen. <laughs> I saw some of you get the screen. This word emet is a state or condition of being dependable and loyal to a person or standard. Which means, at least this is my interpretation, is this. Call out to God as if your life depended on it seek God as if your life depended on it seek God daily as if your marriage depended on it seek God daily as if your, your children's life depended on it seek God daily as if your business depended on it seek God in intimacy with God daily so I don't know where you might find yourself but today I want to pray for two things first of all is this that if you don't even know where to start that it starts through Jesus it is because of Jesus that he's made a way for you to enter and you have complete access to God. And it starts with starting a relationship with him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you might say, but you don't know my life. Yeah, but I want to tell you, I know the love of God and I know his grace and I know he wants you. He wants you this morning. He wants to start a relationship with you. And today it just starts by saying, Lord, I give you my life. If there's anybody here who's never given their life to Jesus and today you want to say, I want to, I want that intimacy. I don't want to just pray to a God, sing to a God that I don't know. I want to know God. I want to love God. I want him to be all over my life, all over my family. I want God. If that is you today, I, if I could just see your hand right now, say, I want that. I want Jesus. I want intimacy with God. Thank you. Thank you. Can we just make a quick prayer with all of those people? Lord, we just thank you, God. God, thank you that you send your son so that we can be in relationship with you. Lord, today, those people that raise their hand, that today they will say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you, Jesus. And today I leave this place knowing that I can now, I now have started a relationship with the God of the universe, with the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I can leave this place confident that when I pray, I have a God who's hearing. I have a God who's near. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for watching today. If you were one of those who accepted Christ, we want you to take your next steps. So on the screen below, there are all the next steps opportunities for you. Go ahead and fill those out. We would love to help you on your journey. Yes, and today, never forget to like and subscribe, and please take the time to join us next week.